I think this thing about healing is really important and um, that those of you who are struggling right now with sickness and need, need healing, that there is a real contending in that area. Um, it's very, it is very disheartening when your body is not functioning right and uh, anyway I wonder sometimes if we really really could see spiritually the things that are going on that we would not be completely blown away with the things that we would see if our eyes were opened in a spiritual way and we um, could really see past the physical natural realm if we wouldn't be incredibly surprised um, years back I had a weak moment and decided I would try contact lenses. Uh, it was a really big deal, and I thought, how exciting. I'm not going to have to wear glasses. So I put my contacts in in the morning, and then I went to take them out at night. And if any of you wear contacts, you have to squeeze your eyeball, and then they're supposed to pop out. And so I was up in the bathroom for like an hour squeezing my eyeball. I did not know that my contact had already popped out. And I tell you, it ruined me for contacts for the rest of my life. And I felt like I almost squeezed my eyeball out. And I came downstairs and I was so discouraged because it was painful. I mean, bless you if you wear contacts. It's an amazing thing. I don't even know how people do it. But I was thinking of how it made me so nervous that I had been pinching my eyeball out for an hour and that it was going to affect my vision. And I thought, wow, God, our vision is very precious to you. And what a horrible thing if my eye would have been affected because of that. And so the topic of my story is open the eyes of my heart, Lord, that I might see you. And, uh, you know, this week for me was a very stressful, highly stressful week uh, with some very unusual circumstances that kept unfolding. And now I could have said, uh, this is a spiritual attack, and that would be very true. But uh, a lot of it was people and what God wanted to do with me. So at one point... Uh, through the week, uh, I was so overwhelmed that I flopped onto my bed. Bruce was next to me. Uh, I couldn't talk. I couldn't read. I raised my hands to heaven in hopes that God would calm me. And I tell you, God met me and he calmed my soul. And I thought, wow, I just got an opportunity to see Jesus. I saw him through his people. I, I saw him through his presence. I saw him through his voice. And I have to tell you, he set me free. That's a testimony. He set me free. When I was in completely powerless over multiple problems, and I knew that I knew that I could not get out of this on my own, 
And I knew that I couldn't even pray myself out of this. God was faithful to come and meet me right there. And I think that's what he does the best because we so desperately need him. We need him daily. We need him to walk with us. We need him to talk with us. Um, and so, you know, and uh, maybe I shouldn't be surprised about my week because I've been reading through the book of Job. And um, I really see that there's a lot of heartache and severe testing and trials that Job endured through this book. But I tell you, there is something so profound in chapter 42 that he says, and it caught my attention this week. He says, my ears have heard, but now my eyes have seen. Okay. And I thought, that is such a word, and I had to say yes to you, Job. Oh, Lord, how often my ears hear, but my eyes are not seeing. So I'm thinking, Lord, let me see you. Let me see you. Because when we see him, it changes everything. Nothing changes, but everything changes. Michael W. Smith penned that song, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you high and lifted up shining in the light of your glory. Well, we know he pulled that from Isaiah 6, but how interesting that he pinned that song the year that the Twin Towers came down and life in America would be changed as we know it. It seems like when God opens the eyes of our understanding, a lot of times it's in crisis. It's a lot of times there's a lot of things going on and if we looked around us, we'd be so overwhelmed that we need something to happen supernatural. We need something to happen where all of a sudden our perceptions change and our eyes are opened and we see things for what they really are, not what's presented before us. It's the cry of our hearts, I think, to really know him. And I have to say, that is such a passion for me not that people go to church, because I know people go to church all around the world. And not that we end up doing religious stuff, but that we have such a divine personal encounter with Jesus Christ that we are so transformed. We are so changed. Psalms 119 says, Open my eyes that I might behold or see wondrous things out of your law. And what that really means is to see wondrous things in the law is to see Jesus because Jesus is the law, because the word became flesh and it dwelt among us, and Jesus came and he fulfilled the law because we were unable to do that. You know, I have a prayer that I felt, it's the prayer that said, Lord, keep us from forever hearing, learning, and never, never coming to the full knowledge of you. It says that there's a a capacity in human nature to hear and hear and hear and never to come to the full knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, keep us from that happening to us. Help us when we hear that we come and we know and we experience and we receive. You know, Peter and Judas were both disciples of Jesus. Do you know Peter always called Jesus Lord? Do you know that Judas never called Jesus Lord? He called him teacher. So Jesus, Judas, 
received knowledge. Jesus was teacher. But he had not received the kind of heart transformation that Peter received that would keep Peter, no matter what he went through. Something happened to Peter. He had a personal revelation of who Jesus was. I was thinking about the things I'm talking about, and I thought, I'm not a learned person. And I thought, um, what a simple message. What a simple message. And, you know, you almost, I could almost say, it's not that big of a deal. But I think it's a very big deal. And I think in its simplicity, if we could grab hold of it, it would change our lives. Something happened to Jesus. So when many of the disciples, it says in John 6, when they left Jesus, Jesus went to, to Peter and said, are you going to also leave me? And Peter said, uh, I have nowhere to go. We've heard that scripture because you have the words to eternal life. Um, he not only had ears to hear, but he had eyes to see. That personal revelation was very foundational in the life of Peter. And I think for us as Christians, without personal revelation, without foundational truth that's been imparted to us personally in our lives, our foundations are not secure and stable. So it's sort of like the sand and the rock. We're building, but we're not necessarily building on that personal revelation from God. So then the storms come. It says the storms come of life to the good and the bad, to those who know Jesus, to those who do not. But when your foundation isn't secure or firm on the rock, when those, st those storms come, it says you can build on the sand, and that's where we're just hearing and never coming to the truth, or you build on the rock where we're now seeing, and we're in the truth, and we're walking in the truth. So then when those storms come, and the storms come, and I don't know if, if it's just me, but I would say the increase of the attack on Christianity and Christians in the last five years is intense. It is intense. What Christians are accepting and the compromise in the, the church in general is mind-blowing to me. Um, there is a delusion and a delusion that is watering down the truth of God that we have to be very careful that we do not buy into it. Because the days are just going to increase in this way. And our relationship with Jesus and how tied in we are to him is going to make all the difference in the world. We will not be getting offended over small things. You know, we think, you know, we just went through the bait of Satan and you think, wow, all these different offenses that we go through and everything that goes on. And then I fl flip on the news and I see the devastation in our country. And I think, wow, if we were floating boats down San Felipe right now, I bet we wouldn't be too concerned about who offended me. There'd be a real change in our hearts and our attitudes and the way we think about things. And maybe we just have too much time to go trivial on things that really aren't life or death. But when this country, when we come under persecution, persecution is not ne necessarily a negative thing because persecution can bring us to Jesus. 
it can open our eyes, open the eyes of our understanding. Um, I think we can hear uh, from others, but it won't transform our hearts, the same as a visitation from the Lord. In John 20, 25, the disciples told him, it says, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. So this was right after Jesus had died, and then in the book of Acts where Jesus was resurrected and he ascended, and then he appeared to his disciples. But for some reason, Thomas wasn't there when, when he appeared. So the other disciples, they were pretty excited because, you know, they had seen, they saw Jesus. They were visually seeing the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is a pretty incredible thing. So they're pretty excited, and they're all talking. And, but Thomas wasn't there, and so he says to them, unless I see the marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Now, we sort of think of Thomas as a downer because, you know, we call him Doubting Thomas, but maybe he was Daring Thomas. Maybe we need to switch the Ds here. Instead of making him one that just doubted, we need to say Daring Thomas. He dared to not take secondhand experiences and try to make them his own. He dared to say, your testimony is never going to be enough for me. It's not going to be enough for me. I want my own testimony. I want it to be real. I want it to change me, and I need to see him for myself. Thomas didn't want a secondhand story. He had to see, he had to touch, and he had to know. And I think it's neat how uh, Jesus was not put off by Thomas's desire to have more of him. He walks through, he walks through a door he doesn't open the door like we do. He walks through because he's in his resurrected state. And what does he do? He's not hanging with the other disciples. He goes straight to Thomas because Thomas's heart was crying out, I want to know you. I want to know you. And what did he do? He presents himself to Thomas and he says, Thomas, touch, see. And he did. Thomas did exactly what each one of us does when we finally come to the realization of who Jesus Christ really is and what he's really done, and we have touched and feeled, we do the same thing. He got to his knees on his face, and he said, my Lord and my God, because this revelation did not, flesh and blood did not reveal this to him, but God personally visited him, which is such an awesome thing. The Bible says that the God of this world Little g, that's not the big God. That's the, the little devil God. He blinds the eyes of people that they will not come into the fullness of the gospel. But God is so much bigger. He is so much bigger. And he wants, he delights, he longs to open our eyes. And it's what makes us sing. We always think, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. But I tell you, that part where it says, I was blind, but now I see. Any one of us who can sing that, what an incredible experience that is to say, I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. Paul prayed in Ephesians 
118, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened in order that we would know the hope of our calling, our destiny, and our purpose in God. And I was thinking about Paul, and I thought, Paul would understand the importance of eyes seeing and the hope of his calling. Because when God called Paul, he knocked him from his horse, and he was blinded. And not only was he blinded, but he was led by another. In Acts 9.18, it says there were scales that fell from his eyes that he could see again. He then was sent to the Gentiles, and it's interesting, it says he was sent to open their eyes, to open their eyes in order that they would turn from darkness into the light and the power of Satan to the power of God. When God opens our eyes, we come from a place of darkness and we find freedom from the power of Satan. If we have places where we're still bound by Satan, we might need our eyesight transformed more. Just don't wear contacts. Paul was changed. Like Paul, sometimes we get knocked down and we get blinded before our scales can be removed. But you know what? I can tell you, there are people who get knocked down, but they are never capable of being led. Don't let getting knocked down keep you from experiencing a dependence on God. You know, sometimes I think we make these weird vows where I'll never need anybody, we get hurt, we get so wounded, I don't really want to need anybody, I don't want to even need God. Now, I want to prove some things to God that I can do this. I want to prove to him that I can be good. I want to prove to him that I love him. And so when we're trying to prove those things to him, we're not any longer depending on him. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. Because he is the vine and we are just the branches. And you know, we should be very humble branches because it says because Israel rejected God that us Gentiles were able to be grafted in. And it said, be careful there. You know, we're just these grafted in branches. But praise God, we got to be grafted. So we're in the vine. But as we're in the vine, we need to know that we're, it is that we can become so utterly dependent on God. And that is not always easy um, to be dependent on him. I feel like failure is a gift from God. I didn't always think that way. Uh, I hated failure because failure always represented, and I always thought it was connected to performance, and performance was always connected to failure because <laughs> I'm not a good performer, and it was always connected to being insecure and that maybe I wasn't going to be loved because I couldn't do it. And failure has always been a very big part of my life. I always felt like I failed. To the point that there was something in me that just basically gave up and said, who cares? I can't do it. But then I found God and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I would fail. And then I would be loved. Deeply loved in failure. 
And then I began to get comfortable with failure. And then I began to understand my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is going to be perfected in your failures. Because then it's not going to be about you and your own pride and your own uh, capacity and capability. It's going to be all about me. Isaiah got to see the Lord. It's interesting that Isaiah and Paul both had experiences that were connected with seeing. Isaiah saw the Lord, and that was right after a crisis, again, uh, when the year King Uzziah died. It says that Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filling the temple. But when Isaiah saw the Lord, he also got to see himself. Can I tell you, sometimes it's just really hard to see yourself. Hmm? And when we see ourselves, we like go, oh, please don't let anyone else see it. Huh? I know sometimes a lot of people, um, they, they are very comfortable confessing to God. But they're like, oh, don't make me do that thing. Confess your faults one to another and pray for healing. Because if they really, really knew me, would they really love me? Would they still accept me? And so how interesting it is. We live with ourselves. And I was telling our leadership team, my son, one in his teenage years, he went crazy. This is probably the craziest thing he did. He dyed his hair black. And he was a towhead. He was blonde. And I thought, and he didn't even, we were laughing lately because Jen said he was so weird he didn't even dye his eyebrows. So it even looked weirder. So anyway, he had his black hair. He was sort of into emo music. And, you know, I was getting triggered all over the place that he was just going to go out and rebel, and he didn't. But as a mom, I was a little nervous with some of the, that. And so I remember trying to talk to him. I mean, I, did, I, I didn't just try to talk. I badgered him. And um, one day he said, clearly, he said, you need to re read Corinthians. He said, Mom, I am what I am. By the grace of God, he, 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 brings me, he throws a scripture at me. By the grace of God, I am who I am. And that that grace has not been working in vain. And I tell you, I have never been able to get that verse out of my head. <laughs> because, uh, I mean, it's just been so real. I see people, I see myself, and I think, by the grace of God, I am who I am. And I think what that's all about is we see the Lord, but we also need to see ourselves. We need to see who we really are. We need to see our strengths, our personalities, our temperament, our weaknesses. And we need to say to ourselves, by the grace of God, I am who I am. And you know what? That's okay. Who I am is okay. I've been really battling this year with my personality. I grew up just with women, strong women, Strong women in leadership, strong women in um, business, and with the message that you, they, don't, they did not need a man. Uh, basically, they married, they had their babies, and then all of a sudden the, the husband was gone. And they would hire people to you know, fix the roof or do things that needed to get done. And I grew up my whole life that way, and then I'm a firstborn. And then I have two baby brothers. And um, 
both my parents were very, very strong in business. They were both had the same personalities. I don't ha know how they even got married. Uh, I can see why it didn't quite work. And so um, it has been really hard to be an extroverted personality, to be strong. And there's times where God's really took my personality away, stripped me completely, and then he would let something happen that would have to bring that personality back up. And I'm like, God, why are you messing with me? And uh, then I married someone humble, loving, faithful, who's an introvert. And he's a man. And he's introverted more. Now, I'm not saying he's not strong, because just visit our house. He's very strong, but he's strong in, in a different way. And, and I've had a really hard time accepting myself because I've always had a vision or thoughts, and I was sharing this, that the pastor's wife is very meek and lowly and humble and plays the organ and accompanies the worship team. <laughs> and they wear pearls like June Cleaver. I'm serious. This is a weird thing, but it's really a part of who I am. And so um, I am who I am by the grace of God, and may that grace not be in vain. And so this year is a year of me, you know, I'm 61 today, maybe finally coming to the place of accepting more who I am and how God made me and how he made my husband, how our family is, the people in the church, loving and accepting people, seeing the incredible uniqueness in each person here, how God made us, and really accepting to a de deeper degree and not trying to change people, not trying to make them think like I think, even though I like when people think like I think, um, realizing that that's not always the case and that's okay. Um, so Isaiah saw himself, but he didn't just see himself. It's interesting. He saw the condition of his people. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips, so are the peeps. We all got these unclean lips going. And from that experience, he was called to be a prophet to the nations. Isaiah wasn't a minor prophet. He was a major prophet. And so one of the first things God said to Isaiah was, they keep hearing, but do not understand. They keep seeing, but they do not perceive. So sometimes we think we see, but seeing goes deeper than just seeing naturally. Seeing is a place in the spirit where there's a perception. There's a perception, and perception... And God doesn't show us ourselves to torment us or condemn us, but he wants to change us. He wants our perceptions to be changed. To perceive is to become aware of, uh, to identify by means of the senses, to discern, to recognize, to grasp, to understand. So we can come in and we can walk into a situation and, you know, in James it says, if you lack wisdom, you have to ask God for wisdom. And God, if you don't doubt, God will give you a word of wisdom. You know, there's gifts in the Spirit, and as a Spirit-filled church, a full gospel church, we can ask God for wisdom, the word of wisdom, the prophetic word of knowledge. We can get understanding and have perception to what's really going on around us. And sometimes the interesting thing is, what we are reacting to is not at all what is going on. So how desperately, desperately we need perception to be operating in our life. 
open our eyes that we will see. Um, there's a story in Luke, and we've, we've shared this story. Most people know this story, but it's Luke 24, and, and it goes like this. Behold, two men were traveling to a town called Emmaus. It was seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking about all the things that had happened when Jesus decides to join them. But it says that their eyes were kept. Their eyes were kept so they could not see him. These are just two regular type guys. These aren't even the big dogs. You know, these are not the main disciples. This is not the 12. This is Cleopas or whatever. Cleopatus, I don't know. Starts with a C. And they don't, I don't even know if they name the other guy. So we are talking two regular Joes. But they were followers of Jesus. But they were sad that he was gone. These guys weren't just walking on a road. And this is understanding. This is uh, important to understand. They weren't just walking on this seven-mile road trip. They were in fellowship. And I think that's important for us as Christians. I feel like sometimes Christians are walking and talking, and God isn't even connected into anything that's going on. There's a lack of true, rich fellowship. It says where two or three are gathered in, it, in his name, that God, Jesus is there present with us. So we have this opportunity to be in the presence of God when we talk about God, when we talk about the Lord, when we talk about the good things of God together. And so maybe, you know, we can talk about the Lord, we can talk about what he's doing in our life, and we can also pray together because where two or three agree in prayer, it says he hears and he, and he comes and he meets us there. That's true fellowship. This isn't a social gospel. I know we've talked about that before. The social gospel will not keep us in times of tribulation, okay? Us all joining together and coming to church, that's not going to keep us in times of tribulation. It's going to be true, rich fellowship because we have seen him. So um, these guys are walking along, and they're sad. They were in fellowship talking about Jesus, not knowing they were with Jesus. They are walking and talking, and they are talking about Jesus, and they don't know they are with Jesus. They were telling him his story. They are telling Jesus his story, and, they're, and, and the hope that he would be the one who was going to redeem Israel. And so when they, re they arrived in town, they invited Jesus to come dine with them, and it says, and I love this. When you take communion, get, get, get this. Now it came to pass, as he sat down at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. And it says, their eyes were opened, and they knew him. Oh, that just gives me chills. Their eyes were opened, and they knew him. That place of communion so they were in fellowship, but somehow they dropped to a place of communion, which I think is even a deeper level of fellowship. And their eyes were opened that they saw who he was. We can be walking down the road, talking about Jesus, knowing Jesus, and it's that thing where my ears have heard, but now my eyes have seen. Years back, I had Jehovah Witness come to the door. And I don't know if anyone here comes from that background, but Jehovah Witness is a cult. 
I'll just say that for what it is. When you understand what a cult is, it's very important to understand what a cult is because it, it hits up against true doctrine. And doctrine is foundational in our lives because it's truth. Know the truth and the truth will set you free. A cult always exalts man either by works or by, um, you know, a, prof- a prophet, and it den- denotes God. It brings God down, but it brings man up. So Jehovah Witnesses is a cult. And um, so Jehovah's Witness came knocking on my door. Now, I had always heard don't argue scripture with the JW. Um, because uh, it can bring a lot of confusion, and you you don't necessarily get anywhere with with trying to debate scriptures. So um, I decided the thing with Jehovah Witness too, which is really interesting, is they don't believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, so they don't believe that Jesus Christ is God. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Okay. Um, so I decided to open the door that day and not to argue scripture, but to share my encounter with who Jesus was. So I told them that I grew up seeing Jesus on a cross, but did not know that he was alive, and I did not know that he was begotten of God. The, The God of this world must have blinded my eyes to that. And then one day I received Jesus as my personal Savior. I still didn't understand his connection to God. Now, who would have think? Who would have thought? Pretty bizarre. So I'm born again. I've really had a major born again experience. I accepted Jesus. I didn't know how God and Jesus were connected. So when I was feeling this love from God, this forgiveness, it was from God the Father. My personal Jesus, my Savior, saved me from my sin to connect me with the Father. I did not know how they all connected. All I knew is I was blind and I was seeing a little. I was lost. I was saved. But I'll tell you, I completely dropped everything in life and I went on a complete quest to find God. So something was stirring inside of me, um, but I didn't understand it. In my search, I landed in AA meetings with a whole lot of old people smoking cigs. Back there in AA meetings, you could smoke cigs. So, you know, be, be, as I would move the smoke away, I'd hear some old guy telling his story because that's in AA, um, I was searching for God. And back then, I was only 20 years old. I came from alcohol and drug addiction, and I felt God was saying, go to AA. And I went to AA meetings day and night searching for God. Um, One night I blurted out uh, in one of the meetings, and I'll have to tell you, when I still go to an AA meeting, I feel the presence of God. And I am so humbled when I walk in those rooms because I don't ever want to forget where I came from. And it's a very powerful experience for me. Um, So one night I was so disturbed and I blurted out, I'm here just to find God. What's up? No one's telling me, you know. And there was an old fisherman there that night 
and he looked really rugged. He had a big old long beard, and he was old. He had half his foot cut off because he was a, <laughs> and he hobbled a little because he was a uh, Alaskan fish fisherman, and it's very dangerous. And but I tell you, I looked at him. The eyes, his eyes were this deep blue, and the peace and the anointing of Jesus that poured out of those eyes. But I didn't understand all that. All I, I thought is, wow, he's quite intriguing. So he, that day, he says to me, hey, he handed me his address. He said, Jesus loves you. If you ever want to come by and talk about it, let me know. And so I took his address, and I go, what does that have to do with God? So I'm telling you, I was not connecting the dots. What does that have to do with God? Soon I was at his home listening to the stories of the Bible, and all of the sudden, I had the deepest revelation that I think I've ever had. God spoke to me, and he said, you've been searching, you've been searching and searching for me, but not understanding that Jesus and I are one. And I tell you, not only did the scales fall off my eyes, but a deep oppression left me, and I was filled with joy. I was so joyful, one person thought I was so weird. He's like, why are you laughing so much? And I thought, you have no idea of the oppression I just came out of. And uh, I'm taking this joy. <laughs> and I'm loving it. Um, that was an encounter. I had this encounter with Father, with Son, and with the Holy Spirit. And it was not revealed to me by flesh and blood. You know, the Jehovah Witnesses, folks, they had nothing to say to me that day. I just told them my story. I hope they didn't just hear. I hope that their eyes saw something. No one can argue your testimony, you guys. Don't throw away your testimony. It has great reward in your life. Get hold of your testimony. Yes, get hold of your testimony. Brian, I love seeing you here. You have such a testimony. You have such a testimony, and it's time for it to come back all the way. I feel like it's to be stronger than it ever was before, ever. Um, the Lord wants to become very personal to us. He'll use every test. He'll use every trial. He'll use every hurt. He'll use every place of rejection. But even as Christians, sometimes I think we have to ask ourselves, do I really want to be close to him? Do I really want to be close to him? Sometimes I don't think we do. Sometimes I think we're afraid. Okay, if I get too close to God, what will he make me give up? What will have to change? Uh, life isn't fair and God does not care. <laughs> huh? We got, you know, we got some perceptions, some thoughts of what God is like. Um, the Old Testament does say, uh, whoever saw the face of God, they would die. The people had such a fear of God. Uh, in Exodus 20, 19, they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. That's Old Testament. New Testament says that when Jesus hung on a cross, profound things happened. The penalty of sin was paid for. Relationship with God was restored. The veil separating us was torn. And now we get to see face to face and go into that throne of grace. Yes? Awesome? So when we see Jesus, we believe differently. 
When we have an expectation, we see our purpose. We can see his hands extended to broken people and people without hope. Because we know him, we can have an impact on others. The spirit of the Lord is not only in us, it is on us. So throughout history, in closing, I was thinking how God revealed himself to man. You know, David saw the Lord establish his throne and chose adultery and murder and paid dearly with the death of his baby. Jonah saw the Lord in his call to Nineveh. He rebelled and ended up in the big fish of a big belly, belly fish, well, belly whale. It wasn't a whale, it was a big fish, but he was in the belly. Elijah saw the Lord prove himself with the prophets of Baal, and then he ran from Jezebel. Abraham saw the Lord in the promise to multiply and tried to substitute with an Ishmael. But how wonderful it is to know that their stories did not end there. Because godly sorrow leads us to repentance. And true repentance leads us to God. So what do we do when we encounter Jesus? Because what we do is very, very important to him. So I leave with that question. What do we do when we encounter Jesus? Because what we do is important to him. So we're going to close right now. Um, Maybe you feel like, man, I'm in church, but I don't feel like my eyes, my eyes are all the way open. Or maybe my vision's blurred. Maybe I got a contact stuck in there and I was trying to pull my eyeball out, but I don't know. Everyone has different things that happen to them concerning their eyes. Everyone can be in different places. But I think that's the kind of prayer that God longs to answer. Open the eyes of my heart, Jesus, that I might see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you more clearly. So we're going to sing that song. And if you want prayer today, I would say come up and get prayer today. Believe God can open your eyes, that you see things more clearly. So why don't you stand? Lord, we're asking right now, we're asking for you to... Lord, increase our vision. Lord, you said without vision, people perish. So we're asking you to increase our vision that we will see you and we will know you in a very personal, in a very real way, that we won't hear about you secondhand, that it won't be a secondhand religion. We thank you, Father God. We just thank you for how real you want to be and that you, Lord, went through everything. You went through that door for each one of us. Thank you, Father. Be with us today in Jesus' name.